Well, hey everyone, and welcome tonight to another edition of Your Questions, God's Questions. It is May the 3rd, 2021, so um, nice to be in the month of May, and good to be with you. I see we've got one person on live right now, so I would invite you to hit that share button. The more you share, the more you comment, the more you like the more that Facebook and YouTube say, oh, there's something interesting to watch here, and the more people watch it. And uh, so I would encourage you to do that, share it, like it, and we're going to deal with another question tonight. And I would invite you to be a participator and not just a listener or spectator, and uh, use the comment section if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook. Um what else can I tell you? Uh, if you do not have a Facebook account, you're able to watch this on our website. On the uh, Connect and Sermons tab, you will see a, a, a kind of a copy of what's going on on Facebook. It's called a widget, and you will see that on our website. If you don't have a Facebook account, you can watch it that way. Um, and also, I'd invite you to check out our library of content. We've got it on our Facebook page, YouTube channel, and on our website. We've got audio, we've got video, and we've got plenty of it, especially this last year in COVID. Uh, there's so much content there. So I try to be with you every Monday night and deal with a question uh, from the Bible. And uh, But it can be a question about anything, really. Uh, God, religion, life. Uh, sometimes people just want to put a question out there and hear uh, a pastor's perspective, and I'd be happy to give that to you. So don't be shy. Usually, the people who are who are on this broadcast, you so you're shy. So I would challenge you to comment and uh, leave a prayer request if you'd like. You can be as personal or as uh, private as you want. But uh, so I want you to try to interact with me uh, in this broadcast. Okay. Uh, what else can I tell you? We met at uh, Cineplex Brassard Distrante uh, yesterday, May the 2nd, and we will be back there next Sunday, or some people say this coming Sunday, some people say next Sunday, but May the 9th is Mother's Day, and we will be there in person with a live stream as well, and uh, we're going to do a special Mother's Day message on the subject of how did Jesus treat his mother. And I think you'll find that uh, very uh, interesting and engaging and challenging for today's times. And we're also going to have a movie for kids ages 4 to 10, Tom and Jerry, which is playing in theaters now. I think you can also rent it uh, on a, online, but it costs you like $25 or something. So you can watch it uh, by coming to our church. So bring your kids ages 4 to 10 and Excuse me, and invite friends, invite friends who have kids, and uh, of course we have limits due to the pandemic of how many people we can put in each screen, but we've been enjoying uh, being together, albeit in limited amounts of people over at Cineplex at Complex Distante in the city of Brossard, okay? So uh, tonight we are dealing with this question... Does God get angry? Does God get angry? And this is a very uh, relevant question because people 
uh, interpret life in strange ways sometimes. So when um, things happen to people, if they do believe in believe in God, so to speak, depending on their understanding of God, uh, they may think that God is angry. So, um, you know, something good happens to me. God is happy with me. He's pleased with me. He's blessing me. Something bad happens to me. God is not pleased with me. He's disciplining me. I've done something wrong and I'm being punished. People who believe in many gods think that, well, you know, uh, these gods here are gods that will give me good things and these gods over here are gods that will give me bad things and that they're in competition with one another. And you have a god of this and a god of that and you have to please these gods in order to live your life. And there are many places in the world where, you know, it's many gods or it's the version of God is based on what happens to you. Good things means God is happy. Bad things means God is angry. Really, really bad things means God is really, really angry. And that is the way that a lot of Christians live. And uh, so, you know, they try to live in such a way that they think is pleasing to God. Therefore, God will bless them and give them good things. They'll, they'll be healthy, they'll do well in life, they'll be happy. Uh, but if, if they don't do those things, God is not going to be happy. And uh, God will be angry with them. Uh, and, they, and they use sometimes Bible verses for this. Uh, in particular, things in the Old Testament uh, where we do see uh, God do things that today we read about them and they cause us to, to question. Um, hi, Joely. Nice to have you on tonight, and and God bless you. Uh, and, and they question. Uh, so, for example, uh, if we go to the book of Hebrews, and uh, this is what we looked at yesterday in our in our service, we're doing a walk through the book of Hebrews in a series called "Losing My Religion," and we see in Hebrews chapter three and Hebrews chapter four the author there is warning these people. It's a group of Hebrews. We're not sure how large or how small, but he's warning the people to not fall away, to not give up their faith, to not be rebellious and disobedient as a generation of people were in the wilderness after they left Egypt under the leadership of Moses, the Exodus story. And the author takes great pains in quoting from a psalm in the Old Testament, Psalm 95, which talks a little bit about this, and uh, it states uh, an example of the rebellion from the book of Numbers, but there are many, many examples of these rebellions and examples of disobedience and uh, lack of faith in God's provision with these hundreds of thousands of people who walked through the, the divided waters of the Red Sea, and yet 
had enormous problems in in the Sinai desert as they were on their way to the land of Canaan, the promised land. And so the author of Hebrews uses this as a warning, and he says, he says uh, in quoting Psalm 95, that God had said, I declared on oath in my anger, they will never enter my rest. And he warns the people, see to it that none of you have a sinful and unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Don't harden your hearts. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those whom Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom he was angry for 40 years. These folks had God angry with them. And we talked about this yesterday and, and skimmed over an example. Um, and I will, I will give you this example in a little greater detail uh, tonight. I'll flip there in my... I always use a paper Bible <laughs> on Monday nights, okay? The old paper. Uh, but it's in the book of Exodus. This is like one of the most famous examples of the rebellion of the people. Uh, in the Old Testament, it's a story of the golden calf. And uh, Moses, and it looks like Joshua, had gone up to the mountain for God to deliver the message and the commandments and the law. And it's a long time. It's 40 days, 40 nights that they're up there, and the people rebel. And they rebel under the leadership, curiously enough, of Aaron, uh, the brother of Moses. And I'll just read a few verses. Uh, when the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron, watch this, and said, Come, make us gods. The word for gods there is the Hebrew Elohim, which can be used for uh, Jehovah, the, the, the God of the Bible, or it can be used for other gods. It can even be used sometimes for men, people. Uh, but here it's clear that they want to to worship other deities. Come make us Elohim gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. <laughs> so they're getting fed up. They're getting impatient. And they uh, they say we, we want to worship a different god. And uh, so Aaron... <clears throat> acquiesces, bows under the pressure. Take off your gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing. Curious that the sons and the daughters were wearing earrings um, at even, even in that time. Curious. And bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron, and he took what they handed him, and he uh, made an, made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. And then he said, then they said, uh, these are your gods. These are your Elohim, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. You see what's going on there. So look closely at the verse, verse 4. These are your Elohim. O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt? This is what the people say. 
Okay, so what they're saying is that the real God who brought them out of Egypt or the real gods are is like this calf. So they are they are saying that the greatest miracle of the Old Testament, the parting of the Red Sea, is because of this golden calf. That is an astounding sin. They have they have discredited Jehovah, Yahweh, and taken that miracle and assigned it to this calf that they've made. It's, it's astounding. And as I said yesterday, it, the reason why God um, was so angry with these people, so the answer to our question today, does God get angry, uh, is yes, certainly yes in the Old Testament, Question is, is it yes for today? And we'll get there in just a moment. But he, he was angry with these people, because this is akin to adultery. And as I said, if you've ever been, if you ever had that happen to you, where you were actually cheated on, uh, someone committed adultery, and you were the cheated on party, or you've been close to someone, you know, maybe it was your parents or something. How did that make you feel? It made you feel angry. Well, how do you think it makes God feel? even worse, right? When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf. Watch what Aaron does. Aaron, a leader. Watch what he does. He builds an altar in front of this calf that he made. And he says, tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. The Lord there is Yahweh, the personal name of God. So there's going to be a festival to him. And yet, he just made this calf. So what's he doing? He's he's basically indulging in what we would call pluralism today. So, you know, this, this calf is just as equal in truth and in value as Yahweh is. They're all equal. It's And we live today in a pluralistic society, pluralistic culture, where all religious views are considered as equal truth. That's that's a pluralistic worldview. And here you see Aaron is, is buying this nonsense. Tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. And so the next day the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. And afterward they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. They're worshiping whatever they want. You know, there's a festival to Yahweh. There's this calf. It's... It's a hideous, hideous scene. And so then, uh, long story short, Moses uh, heads down the mountain and, uh, and he and Joshua hear a sound. And it's not what they were expecting. It's, you know, this, this uh, worship and singing and dancing to this calf. Moses gets angry. He breaks the tablet. Uh, the tablets of stone on which were inscribed the Ten Commandments, throws them to the ground, breaks them, takes the golden calf, burns it in the fire, and grinds it into powder. And he says to Aaron, and we talked about this yesterday, what did these people do to you? What did they do to you, Aaron, that you led them into such great sin? What a question this is. And Aaron, you know, cowers. Do not be angry, my Lord. You know how prone these people are to evil. You know, blaming it on the people. They said to me, make us gods 
who will go before us as for this fellow moses who brought us out of egypt we don't know what has happened to him and so i told them whoever has any gold jewelry take it off and they gave me the gold and i threw it into the fire and out came this calf i mean it is a sad sad story but this is what happens and we're told god gets angry with these people he's angry with these people for a generation and the generation of people who left egypt lost their lives before making it into the promised land it's just, it's astounding it's astounding it's sad uh but this is what happened and we see god in fact does get angry um uh certainly in the old testament uh he does and we see numerous examples of this when uh the people his people israel rebels against him and he he treats them in a particular way because he called and chose these people and uh there's a high responsibility a high calling a high accountability that uh, israel has and when they blow it they're judged and when they blow it god is angry and so we see this numerous times and that's why people today they say well then you know i guess when bad things happen to me it's because god is angry and here's here's the thing uh we we've got to be very very careful not to build a picture of the character of god and the way that god interacts with us mm, based on uh one part of scripture based on how he treats israel mm, based on one we we've got to look at the whole picture of scripture on this subject of the anger of god to get it right because if we don't we're going to end up uh uh thinking that anything bad ha- that happens to us is because god is angry and anything good that happens to us is because god is happy with us and uh that is a that is a way of understanding god mm, that's going to get you into a road of trouble because if if bad things happen to you and you attribute them to the judgment of god and the anger of god in your life um you're probably going to give up serving god after a time uh because the truth is that sometimes bad things just happen and there's no reason for it and there's no rhyme or uh, understanding to it you know no rhyme or reason as we say and uh we don't know why uh and we try to figure it out and uh, and oftentimes we can't it just happens and so to take that and say well you know it's god who did this to me i must have done something to anger god be careful of that this kind of cherry picking theology where we pick and choose stories and say ah, okay we jettison that out of its context and we apply it to our lives today be careful read the whole the whole subject across the scripture from genesis to revelation to get a a picture of the way that god expresses anger does he get angry does he get angry today okay let me show you um from the new testament how i think uh god does get angry uh today all right uh good comment here 
That's why I can't understand athletes only praise God after a victory. He's the same God when they lose. Indeed, Patrick, he is the same God when they lose. And, um, you know, I, I like it. I like it when athletes uh, talk about God when they go through difficult moments, when they get injured uh, and they're out of, you know, they can't uh, they can't play when they uh, have things that happen to their families and they talk about God in those difficult moments. I like that. It's easy to praise God when, you know, you're successful and all of that. But that can be an understanding of God that's very shaky. You know, good things happen to me, I, 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 God's happy. Bad things happen to me, God's angry. Ooh, not necessarily. Uh, let let me show you, okay? Um, from, uh, this is in the, in the New Testament, um, and this is a broader picture uh, as to as to how God uh, expresses wrath. Just take the word wrath and think of anger, uh, because this is what it means. Um, the wrath of God is because of his of his anger, and uh, thank you. Uh, uh, Oh, sorry. Uh, thank you for your comment, uh, Joelle. Yeah, Patrick, a pretty interesting person. Yeah, it is. A, it is a good perspective, and we see that all the time, right? So good, good, good interaction. So, uh, so Romans chapter one. Okay, uh, this is um, this is a broader mm, look at the subject of the wrath of God. Again, use the word anger and wrath. They're they're essentially synonymous. Okay. Um, because this is written by a Jew, Paul, who knows the Old Testament, and he's going to talk about the wrath of God. Watch how he talks about it. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven. Present tense. So he's talking first century. He's writing to the church in Rome, presumably Jew and Gentile, but probably more Gentile than Jew. Um, the wrath of God is being revealed against all godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. So he's saying, yes, God does get angry today. And uh, the wrath of God is being made known against the ungodly and he, he, he goes on to say that they should know better because since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal nature, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. So men are without excuse. He's trying to give an argument there for the existence of God based on creation, based on design, based on, you look, you know, the old argument, you look up at the stars and you say, well, how'd that get there? There must be a God kind of thing. And, and so you, you survey nature, you observe nature. You say, wow, it's, it's incredible. It's, it's so complex. It's so beautiful. It's so designed. There must be a creator of this. So he says they're without excuse. Um, and he says that they, they, they refuse to acknowledge God. And they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Exactly what they did in the book of Exodus. They replaced God with this calf, you see. So 
they knew he was there and they switched him for someone else for a different god and it aroused his anger and so the author paul here is talking about this in in the past tense but again he's saying the wrath of god is being revealed from heaven he talks about this almost prophetically but in the past tense and what did god do as a result of this Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to, and here he outlines a specific behavior, to uh, sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. So he says their sexual sin as a result of this, that God gave them over to. He uses this term, gave them over. So did he... Uh, throw lightning at them did he make them sick did he no he gave them over to their sinful desires and here it's in a in a clearly he's giving an example of behavior sexual behavior here he talks about all all kinds of things um and um they exchanged the truth of god for a lie and they worshipped and served created things rather than the creator. So what's the result? He gave them over to sexual immorality. And, it, and he, he outlines what that is. This is very, very controversial stuff today. But in verse 26, verse 27, he talks about uh, homosexuality and, and uh, lesbianism there in very uh direct language and um who knows maybe one day we won't even be able to read this stuff anymore verse 26 and verse 27 without without it being uh, a crime to read it but paul pulls no punches here in verse 26 and 27 he says he gave them over to this um so the point is he lets people do what they want and he removes his hand of protection and the boundary. And he says, do it. If you, if you want it, I'm letting you do it. I'm giving you over. And this is the wrath of God today. God gives people over to what they want. He, in other words, lets them go. And that is a scary thing. When God lets you do what you want and he no longer warns you and he no longer says, don't do that. He just lets you go. You know, you look in the Old Testament and what what was the ministry of the prophets? The prophets warned the people, warned the people, warned the people, don't do that. They told Israel, the law says this, don't break it. The law says live this way, live this way. If you don't live this way and you break the law, what Moses wrote, uh, what God tells you through Moses, you break that, there's going to be problems. Don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. In this phrase, God gave them over, it's like God stops talking to them. It's like God says, do, do it, go ahead and do what you want to do. It's scary, really scary. It would be almost like a parent uh, saying to a child who wants to you know, perpetually disobey, do it. I'll let you go. 
Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over. There's that phrase again. Gave them over in verse 26. Gave them over in verse 28 to a depraved mind. So depraved behavior, particularly in a sexual way, then a depraved mind. Um, They have become filled with all kinds of, you know, to do what ought not to be done, wickedness, evil, greed, depravity, envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, gossip, slander, hatred, insolence, arrogance, boastfulness, disobedience of their parents, senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. That's the wrath of God. He lets people go. So uh, (laughs) that's different from this notion of, well, you know, God's going to, uh, any bad thing that happens to me is God is angry and God is judging me. Be careful of that. I've met so many people, Christian people, who've had bad things happen to them. Could be just bad health all the time. Uh, And it doesn't let up um, loss after loss, moments of grief after moments of grief, financial troubles all the time. Um, And and they've lived a great portion of their lives in pain. And it's not because of anything that they did. Some of them were the most godly people. They just had stuff happen to them, and it it was often inexplicable. And in fact, it was the way that these people behaved in these difficult circumstances that showed their faith to be so strong and so powerful. So uh, we've got to be careful uh, not to simply interpret everything that happens as God is angry, God is not angry. Another example for you, this is Acts chapter 17. Here Paul is clearly addressing a non-Jewish audience, a pagan audience, an audience of intellectuals. He's he's on Mars Hill addressing the Areopagus, which is like uh, intellectual court, almost, uh, in the city of Athens. We've looked at this a little bit on our Wednesday night video Bible study series that the world may know. And uh, Paul comes into this setting incredibly prepared to deliver the gospel message. He knows what these people think. He knows their worldview. He knows their philosophies. He knows all of this stuff. And look what he says here. It's astounding when you think about the subject of the anger of God. Remember, he's addressing a non-Jewish audience, irreligious as far as Judaism is concerned. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples like the ones you have here in Athens, does not live in temples built by hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Wow, he's self-sufficient, this God. Not like your gods, you have to take care of them all the time. Uh, He's self-sufficient because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men, that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he determined the times for them and the exact places where they should live. So it's not, it's not uh, by by uh, total chance, which many of them believe that there was no purpose. Um, but there, he is saying no. There is purpose to your life. God did this so that men would 
seek him. That's the purpose. And perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. Quoting from pagan poets, not Jewish poets there. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Now watch this. Talking about the anger and the wrath of God. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone. An image made by man's design and skill. Again, with this idolatry thing. Because he saw many, many different uh, idols there, including one that says, to an unknown God. Uh, In the past, look at this. Uh, uh, In the past, God overlooked such ignorance. What? In the past. So, referring to, clearly, the Old Testament past, God overlooked such ignorance. Wow. If overlooking that ignorance is what happened in the Old Testament, what's it look like when God doesn't overlook it? That's, that's quite a statement he's made there. But now, in other words, now he's not going to overlook it anymore. Now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Why? For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And he has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. So what he's saying is, you think God is angry in the Old Testament? Wait till you see what happens when Jesus returns. What he's saying is, what he did in the Old Testament is like God is like God overlooking it. When Jesus returns, the justice and the wrath of God and the anger of God will be poured out on sin. Uh, that's pretty... That's pretty frightening. So the the wrath of God, the anger of God, today I think we're more accurate in saying it's expressed by God giving people over to what it is that they want and letting them have whatever it is that they want without warning, without the mm, prompting of the Spirit of God warning them without the message of the preachers of today and the churches of today saying, don't do that, don't do that. You know, there's still, uh, 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 we're still called to a holy life, you know, and it's as if God removes that uh, uh, ministry from people who want to do their own thing. God gave them over. And we ultimately face the consequences for those actions, whatever they may be. You know, you run red lights enough, you're going to get a ticket. Um, you know, there's an old saying, you make your bed, you're going to sleep in it. Uh, so we eventually face those consequences. But this is very different than thinking of God as the guy who's throwing lightning bolts uh, whenever you you supposedly do something wrong. And, oh, okay, now you've got a diagnosis of uh, life-threatening illness be careful that's not necessarily uh, because you did anything wrong oftentimes I found it isn't and it just happens so be careful what God is looking for is people who say we will continue to serve you and as we talked about yesterday we're not going to replace you with a different God 
we're not going to make a you know proverbial golden calf and replace you but we're going to stick to worshiping you and live in a way that shows that and um um and remember also in the second coming of Jesus what we have there is the perfect expression of the holy anger of God and the justice of God ultimately poured out on sin and uh, in this world so in Jesus dying on the cross God opens a door for salvation he pours his wrath out on Jesus in the crucifixion. Uh, he is the atonement for our sins. So the judgment and the wrath of God is put on Jesus. And so we have an opportunity to avoid the wrath of God by turning to Christ. If we don't do that, and if we refuse to do that, and if we reject that offer, we will ultimately you know, face uh, uh, face God and God's judgment when Jesus returns. This is the this is the hard message of the gospel, and uh, this is what Paul's talking about in Athens. This is what Paul's talking about to the Romans, um, and so we we've, we've got to realize that. So just be careful, because I know uh, most of my audience is people who are church folks. And you, you know, you're you're believers, or you're somewhere on that track. Be careful of this notion that bad things that happen to you is God's God's going to get you. He's got you. You know, he's he's punishing you. Be careful of that. Uh, that is a very surface layer, um, fragile understanding of the wrath of God. For sure, he punished Israel. For sure, he was angry with Israel. But who is Israel? These were the people who he called out of that world at that time to be his representatives. So for sure, he's, there's going to be a higher call, a higher accountability, a higher judgment uh, than anybody else because those are the people who he called to himself. Uh, uh, so be careful. And I can hear some of you saying, well, yeah, but I'm a Christian, so God's called me to himself. So doesn't that mean he's going to judge me worse? Well, again, read how he treats people in the new covenant. You, you, you're a follower of Jesus. Well, you, you live a certain way, right? And if you say, well, I reject that, well, he's going to give you over, right, to what it is you want. So just, again, when you, when you look at a doctrine trying to understand the nature and the character and the personality, if you will, of God, you've got to survey that across the whole um, uh, of Scripture and uh, not just cherry-picking or you're going to get into trouble. So um, I hope that's helpful for you uh, and I hope it's a blessing uh, for you and gives you a broader understanding. Uh, but uh, as we always do, I'm just going to spend a, a moment praying for you. got five people on here, so whoever you are, You've hung in, so I pray uh, the blessing of God, Lord, on 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 each uh, person and the households that they represent. Uh, Lord, um, we want to understand you and know you in a deeper way, and uh, not in a fragile way, not in a uh, uh, not trying to make you into something that you're not, 
But Lord, we want to understand your nature and your character as we're in this walk with you, as we are uh, yoked with you, Lord. Uh, help us to understand you in a greater way. I pray for those who live in this constant fear that something bad means God is angry. Lord, that you would broaden and deepen people's understanding and that they would uh, respond to your grace and uh, respond to your love uh, and respond to what you have done for us. In Jesus, we pray these things uh, in your name. Amen. Well, uh, God bless you, everyone. And um, if you want to join us on Wednesday night, we are back on our Zoom uh, video Bible study that the world may know. We're looking at the early church. And actually, we're going to be looking at... Uh, we're going to be looking at... Uh, God bless you, Evo. Hey, good to see you. And God bless you and your and your family. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Uh, we're going to be looking at... Um, uh, the subject, um, the mark of the beast. I think you will understand this passage in a very different way after looking at this video. And I guess I'll deal with the question on Wednesday night. It's bound to come up. Uh, is the vaccine the so-called mark of the beast uh, that we see in the book of Revelation? So if you want to join us, I will send out the link to everybody who's uh, connected to our church. You'll receive that on Wednesday, but you've already got it. I've sent it out the last couple of weeks, a Zoom link. Uh, feel free to reach out to me anytime. My contact info is on our website at citypointchurch.ca or our Facebook page. So until we meet again, God bless you. Oh, yes, and remember, you can register for uh, May the 9th. Uh, speaking about the mark of the beast, my teacher spoke about that today. Oh, dear. Yeah, okay, well, I don't know why it continues to be so popular, uh, but I'll deal with it on Wednesday. Um, uh, we will, as a group. We had a great meeting last week. Uh, so, yeah, you can register for Sunday. Uh, you do need to register, as we do every Sunday uh, during the pandemic time. That's a requirement. So go to our website, citypointchurch.ca. You register adults, you register kids for the movie Tom and Jerry uh, we are going to bring in uh, something for the moms. I won't tell you what it is yet. And I'll do a message, uh, how did Jesus treat his mother? So until we meet again, God bless you and uh, look forward to seeing you again.